The book of Proverbs is part of the Old Testament. If you break the Bible up into different sections, it's known as the wisdom literature. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2 says that this is what Proverbs is for. The purpose of it is for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. So what the Proverbs is saying is there's something for everybody in there, for all of us. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7 says this. We read it last week, that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Now the scripture clearly tells us that the person who borrows becomes a slave to the lender. Jesus said this. Jesus says it's hard to serve two masters. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And notice what he says. You cannot serve both God and money. Money is a great servant, but it is a horrible master. Wouldn't it be great to be master over your money instead of having money be master over you? How do I know if I'm the master over my money? Here's a good way. Do I tell my money where it can go and what it can do? Or does money tell me where I can go and what I have to do? That's a good way to distinguish. Are you telling it where to go and what to do? Or does money tell you where to go and what to do? Some people would love to give more to our Building a Brighter Future campaign. But money says you can't. Some people would love to leave their demanding jobs and do something that they find more fulfilling. But you know what? Money speaks up and says, no, you can't. Some people would love to follow. They say, I feel like this is God's will for my life. And this is the way that I'm supposed to go. But every time they try to take that step, money speaks up and says, no, you're obligated to me. You can't. Some people would like to take the day off or spend more time with their families or invest in their wife and their children, give more to people in need or help their families, invest more time and more money in the kingdom of God for his purposes. But every time they start thinking about them, money speaks up and says, no, you can't because you work for me. I want you to think for a moment what life would be like for you if you had absolutely no debt. Just in your mind, I want you to start counting them up, okay? I want you to start counting up the credit card bills each month, the personal loan payment, the car payment, medical bills, the mortgage. Just do the math real quick in your head. Imagine what you could do If you did not have, and you can run that number. For some, it might be 1,000. For others, it might be 2,000. Others, it might be 3,000 a month or 4,000. Who knows? But when you start adding those numbers up, it's like, wow. Imagine if you got that much of a raise each month. Can you imagine what life could be like? Imagine the things that you could do. Some people are imagining, when we start saying that, 
Imagine if I could pay off the house and all this. And they're imagining all the other things that they could go into debt for and get right back in the same situation. That's not the kind of imagination that we want you to have. Here's the first thing we want to do. I want you to consider how you think about debt. Consider how you think about debt. I want to encourage you to suggest to you that we need to have a new way of thinking about debt. Some people think debt is their friend. I'm going to suggest to you that debt is not your friend. Okay? Some people think that debt is normal. If you think it's normal, I want to say this to you. If you think that's normal, you will always probably be in debt, okay? If you think that's the normal way to live, what's the scripture say about Proverbs? That the borrower is a slave to the lender. If you think that debt is a normal thing, that's probably the way it will be. I guess that's okay if you want to be in bondage. If you want your family to be in bondage. If you want your kids to think it's okay to always be a slave to the lender, it's okay to, for that to be. I want to suggest to you that there's a new way that we can view debt. What if we begin to think, I don't have to be in debt. What if we could say, I could get out of debt and stay out of debt for the rest of my life. What if that became the new normal for us and our children. Romans chapter 13, verse 7 says this. It says, give to everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Look at verse 8. It says, let no debt remain outstanding. See that? Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And so a lot of people say, well, that just means I have to pay it off sometime. But the scripture says, don't let any debt remain outstanding except the debt of to love one another. Many people feel that our car payment is normal. So they go from one car payment to the next car payment. And as soon as, you know, usually the seat isn't even broken. The seat cushion does not even, the seat cushion on your car should have the form of your behind in it, okay? Kind of like it should feel, you know, you should be able to just slide in and it just almost like takes you right into that place, okay? But for many people, the seat cushion has not even formed to their behind yet and they're trading it in on another one. And when they go to the car dealer, you know, a lot of times they'll say, well, how much do you want to pay? I don't really want to pay anything, to be honest. How much do you want to spend? I understand what they're doing, but here's the reality. A lot of people say, well, my car payment is the same. I went, oh, great. I took my, I went down to such and such dealer and my car payment is the same. Do you know that they are extending car payments six and seven years long? Seven years to pay for a car. If you run 25 or 30,000 miles, You'll have 30,000 miles a year. You'll have 210,000 miles on your car before it's ever paid off. That is a horrible investment, okay? And so what we find here is that the people just, they just say that's normal. In 2012, the second quarter of 2012, it's a few years old, the average car loan was $452 a month. The average 
452. That's not including the guys who get the big SUV. You know what I mean? The guy who gets a little small, small car to the guy who gets the big SUV, the average is $452 a month. Now you think how much money do you have to make to be able to pay $452 a month? You've got to make about 700 bucks by the time you pay your taxes and your tithes or more to be able to pay that car payment. $700 a month that you're making? Imagine if your boss gave you a $700 raise this month. You'd be like, yes, praise God. But many people will very quickly, they just feel like a car payment is a natural thing. What if I said I don't have to have a car payment ever again? What if you said I'm going to pay cash for all of my vehicles from this moment on. One of the questions we have is, how can you tell if you can afford something? How can I tell if I can afford something? Well, can I make payment? It's not really a way to tell if you can afford something. For many people, that's what they think. They get a raise, the wife goes back to work or something happens and they say, well, now I can afford this car. What they mean is the boss gave me a $100 a week raise, and so now I go out and borrow, have another car payment for $400 a month, and actually I'm behind. And and that's the thing. People can keep increasing their style of living every time they get a raise, and they wonder how they can't keep up or why they can't keep up. How can you tell you can afford something when you have the money to pay for it? That's how we can tell. If you're going to get out of debt, we need to reevaluate what you can afford. Just because the furniture store will give you 90 days, same as cash. Do you know why they do that? Are they nice? Are they doing that because they're nice? No. They're doing that because they know that 80% of the people are not going to pay it off in 90 days or a year, same as cash. And they know that if you don't pay it off in that time, the fine print says that you owe us 18% interest from the day that you got it till now. And so your furniture ended up costing you 25, 30%, 40% more than what you would have originally paid for it if you'd have saved your money. It's hard to get ahead when you're paying 40% more than something is worth, okay? And so a lot of people will say, what payments can I afford And they just keep adding to their debts. Because you can make the monthly payment on your store credit card does not mean you can afford the new outfit. If you don't have the money to pay for it, may I suggest to you, if you want to get out of debt, if you don't have the money to pay for it, may I suggest that you don't buy it. That you hold off until you have the cash that you can. The second thing, what does scripture say to us about debt? We're going to look at Proverbs and just find a couple portions of Scripture. Proverbs 37, verse 21. It says the, what's the second word there? The wicked. How many of you want to be known as wicked? It says the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. What that says is simply this. Whatever you borrow, whatever I borrow, I need to pay back. I know that we have laws today that say that you can be irresponsible and squander your money. You could have Sam come out whenever you don't have the money to afford it. You could have Sam come out and build a great deck or a patio on your back and and the fireplace and all those things. You can take out some 
unsecured loans and do these things. And then you can go and file bankruptcy and you can still keep your house and you can still keep your vehicles and then wipe away your debt. The Bible says that the, who does that? The wicked. Even if the laws will allow you to do that, that's not what we do. We pay our debts. That's what we do. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we pay what we borrow. So if you don't want to pay it back with interest, then don't borrow it. How unfair it is where people who will do that, and and I know if someone did that not so long ago, I'd recommended another person that, oh, this person does great work. And so these people, I didn't know them very well, but I, uh, I recommended this other person to them. The guy goes out and does all this work for them and they declare bankruptcy and he can't do nothing to get back thousands of dollars. But what did they do? They literally stole from him and his business and his family. So the, it says that the wicked borrow and don't pay back. The second one, Proverbs 3.27. It says, do not withhold good from those who, to whom it is due. When it's within your power to act, don't say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. To me, that simply says that you pay people back as soon as you can and you don't make people come looking for what you owe them. If you are a follower of Jesus, I'm going to say this. This is very straightforward. If you're a follower of Jesus, the bill collectors should not be coming to your house looking for you. We should pay our bills. And if you can't, you should call them and talk to them. Don't run and hide from them. Call them and talk to them. Tell them your situation. Hey, I can give you $5 a month. This is what I can do. This is what I have. But here is my situation. And so Proverbs says that we don't hide. And when we have the money, we pay it back as quickly as we can. You see this there again in small businesses where they extend the line of credit and the other businessman holds on to his money as long as he can when he has the money to pay the other guy back. You know, the scripture says that we're not to do that. The third thing, Proverbs 22.1, a good name. Everybody say a good name. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Your reputation is more valuable than any amount of money that you are offered. I'm going to say it to you one more time. According to scripture, your reputation and your name as a follower of Jesus is more valuable than any amount of money. I read something one time. Would you sleep with a man for $100? No, $1,000, a million dollars. They're thinking about it. And the thing was this. The question was this. Well, we've already established what you are. Now we're simply squabbling, negotiating over a price, okay? We've already established what you are. Now we're simply squabbling or negotiating over a price. And so here's the reality. Our integrity should not be for sale. You might be able to make 100 bucks or get 50 bucks better deal if you have to cheat or lie, but as followers of Jesus, it's not worth it. Better to be offended Better to lose than to lose your integrity and to lose your name. The fourth thing, Proverbs 17, 18, a man lacking in sense. Everybody say lacking in sense. Pledges and becomes a guarantor in the presence of his neighbor. Foolish people 
A man lacking in sense, we'd say a foolish person. Foolish people co-sign for others. The Bible says to us that we are not to co-sign. It, Proverbs says a man lacking sense co-signs or is a guarantor for someone else's loan. Okay? If you choose to do that, you are going beyond. I'm not saying it's necessarily a sin, but the Bible, what's the Bible say that you are lacking? Say it again. You will be lacking dollars too, probably. But you're lacking sense if you do that. And what I would say to you is if you choose to co-sign for somebody else, then you need to be willing to pay back the full debt without being angry with them over it. So if you can't, if you're not willing to pay back the full debt and not hold a grudge, don't co-sign for somebody else. Okay? What do we do if we find ourselves in debt? He said, okay, pastor, you've told me some of these things that the scripture says about debt. But a lot of times people think, well, this is the way you do it. Very quickly, we understand that when people, young couples get married, they want to have everything that mom and dad had that they worked for for 40 years in the first month. And, you know, many of them go out and do that. Many of them will go out and they'll have all of the things that mom and dad had in a very short period of time. Let's say you found yourself in debt. No one told you that, you know what? You could actually pay cash for your car. You could save money and do that. No one told a student that, you know what? You can get through college and have no debt. You need to tell your kids. Don't tell your kids, hey, Jimmy, I know you want to go to school. Dad can't help you too much. You know, you'll probably just owe 100000 and That's a stinking mortgage. That is a mortgage. How are they ever going to get ahead? Mom and dad need to be able to say to Jimmy and Sally, there's ways to get through college without you incurring a lot of debt. We'll do everything we can to help you. We can't do it all, but, but we can help you. In high school, as Logan's finished in high school, they started sending us credit card things for her. You know what I did with every one of them? I tear every single one of those up. She's not going to be having her own credit card, running around, spending whatever she wants. It's so easy for a person to swipe it. They target college students because college students need stuff. We need to talk to our kids and talk to our family and say, you don't have to be in debt. You don't get everything that you want. But if you'll make some sacrifices now, you'll be so much further ahead later on. Let's say you found yourself in debt. Sometimes we find ourselves in debt. It's, it's, sometimes we weren't instructed properly. Sometimes we made some foolish decisions. Sometimes some things happen in our life that are beyond our control. Sometimes people lose jobs. Sometimes, you, you know, you think you, you got a job and you leave one job, go to the other, and it falls through. Sometimes people are sick. They have accidents. They lose the ability to work for a period of time. And the reality of it is any of us in an instant could be wiped out financially, really. One accident, one thing take place, lose your ability to work. So we're not being critical or judgmental. Please don't misunderstand that. We understand that negative things can happen. In January, we're going to be doing our life group series. And one of the things we're going to do is Dave Ramsey's series. And so I want to encourage you to be thinking about that. Ramsey, in his teaching, he talks about getting out of debt. He, he refers to it as running like a gazelle. And I was, well, where does he get that idea? And if you look at Proverbs chapter 6, it says this, My son, if you put up security for your neighbor, if you've shaken hands and pledged for a stranger... 
If you've been trapped by what you said and snared by the words of your mouth, so do this, my son, to free yourself, since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands. Notice what he says. He says, go to the point of exhaustion. Everybody say exhaustion. Exhaustion. He said, oh, well, if you just think, well, sometime I'd like to get out of debt. It's tough to get out. He says, go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. That means you're working overtime. That means that you're putting in extra time. That means you got a second job. It says, free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. What would a gazelle do when a lion grabs a hold of it? Kind of like stand up. Oh, hey, are you sure you wanted to eat me? I don't. Oh, well, hello, Mr. Gazelle. I probably should get out of your grip sometime. My mom and dad warned me about you. Huh? No, a gazelle takes off. As soon as it sees the line, if it's smart, and if it's going to survive, it runs, it flees, it goes as fast as it can to escape it. What do you have to do to get free from debt? You have to free yourself like a gazelle. Do you need to sell? Here's what for some people. Some people are in debt and they're saying, oh, this is terrible. Well, you have to do something to get out of debt. Don't give any sleep to your eyes. Don't let your eyelids close. So for some people, you know what? You may have made a wrong decision and bought a boat that you can't afford. If you can afford a boat, God bless you. Take me along, all right? If you can't, then you might need to sell your boat or your jet ski. If you got an SUV that's a, you know, $50,000, $60,000, if you can afford that, praise God. That's wonderful. But if you're having a hard time making the $800 a month payment, you may need to say, wait a minute. Maybe I can sell this and drive something else that I can afford. How about the $200 a month phone bill? All the kids, all the, the kids, some people have, they have bigger phone bills than it used to be for a car payment. Do you need to cut some of the spending that you have? Do you need to look at your finances? What do you have that you can sell? What's in your basement that's worth 200 bucks or 300 bucks? What's in the garage that's out there that you never use or in the attic or down in the basement? How about the uh, stair climber that you use to hang your clothes on? Put it on Craigslist. Put it on eBay. Sell that thing. And the next verse, it says this. In verse 6, it says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores up its provisions in summer and gathers its food in the harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief. And scarcity like an armed man. For some people, if they're serious about getting out of debt, some of you will need to cut your spending. There's some things that you're spending on that you may, not, you may not be able to go out for lunch as much as you want. You may not be able to take the vacation that you want. In fact, instead of taking the vacation, you may have to work that week a side job. Some of you may need to take a second job. Some may not have the convenience of being able to be a stay-at-home parent. Some may need to work jobs in the evenings, at nights, or on the weekend. 
Some of you may need to babysit in your home or find another way to pay off your debt. So we start looking at our budget and we start slashing things. And what do you do? You take the extra money from the second job and you go out and buy something else that you want because you're tired. Is that what we do? That's what a lot of people do. That's honestly the way they handle it. They get a little extra money and so they say, well, I want to reward myself for working so hard. What if instead we begin to look at that debt? But I want to say this to you. The reason why we make these decisions now, because it's never going to get any easier than this moment to change your financial future. What if instead of us borrowing, what if we were able to lend? What if instead of our money telling us what to do? I'd love to go on a missions trip, but money says, no, you can't. But God, I really feel like that's what you want me to do. What if you're in a job that you say, this is just constant stress. It's so difficult on you. And you'd say, I'd love to have a job where I felt like I was doing something meaningful. I'd like to work in a ministry. I'd like to do something that felt like accomplished something instead of just working for the man. And money says, no, you can't. You got to take care of your kids. Your wife needs something to eat. You have obligations to pay. Here's the thing. If we make some of these decisions now, down the road, people who are successful have this ability. I think I talked about this last week, or maybe I was on Wednesday night. The degree of a person's success is not determined by their IQ. It's determined by their ability to delay gratification. You can take two kids, and one's much smarter than the other, but he can't delay gratification. And you take another kid, he may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but he's disciplined, and he can delay gratification. Nine times out of ten, the one who can delay gratification, he's going to be more successful in everything that he does. And what's the ultimate thing? The ultimate thing is not so that we're rich and fat and happy. The ultimate thing is is that we can do what God calls us to do and we can help other people do what God calls them to do. What about when your neighbor is in need and God impresses on your heart, I want you to give him $1,000? Well, many people, because debt says, no, you can't. If you didn't have a mortgage to pay right now, think you could throw out $1,000 once in a while if we could remove your mortgage? If you could remove all of the credit card debt and the car loans from your life, and even business loans that you have, if you could remove all of that, I bet you whenever your neighbor was in need or a family member was in need, you could write out that check, couldn't you? You could do what you wanted. Ultimately, we want to be in a a position that we prepare the next generation for success. That's one of the things we want to do as a church. It's not just about us now. One of the things we say about our building a brighter future, we want to prepare the next generation for success. If someone's given everything, They don't appreciate it. If you haven't had to work for something and things are just handed to you, you don't value those things usually. But when we teach our children, when we set before them an example of working hard, make them work hard too, make them earn their way, what a blessing if we're at a place whenever someone needs help. If your kid wants to start a business, if you say, well, dad can loan you the money. The bank won't loan you money. Dad can help you. How about I be a partner with you? in the business. What if Andy not only has one shop, but what if he has two or three shops? Huh? How about that? So God wants to bless us and he ultimately wants us to be a blessing for his kingdom. But it's hard to be a blessing 
when all of your money is already obligated somewhere else. It's hard to help somebody. It's hard to be able to answer God's call. And I know guys who have had to leave the ministry because of financial problems. They can no longer continue because of financial problems. So I want to encourage you today. What if we begin to think about our debt in a different way? What if I said to you, God would like you, and it's possible for you to know no man anything except for a debt of love. See, I believe with all my heart that's possible. What could the church do for the kingdom of God? What could we do for missions? What could we do for ministries if we would simply come into that place where we simply owed no man nothing? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd begin to stir our hearts about being good stewards for what you've entrusted to us. Thank you for the word that we've heard today, the instruction that your word gives to us about our stewardship, about what you've entrusted to us. You say to the person who you've entrusted with talents, who hides them, you say, you wicked, lazy servant. But to the person who takes what you give them and they multiply it, you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, Father, I pray that we would be good and faithful servants of the finances that you entrust to us, of the resources that you give to us, Lord, of the life that you give to us. Because if we can be good stewards with the little bit of money, then usually we'll be good stewards with the other things that are of true value. So guide us and lead us today, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you.